This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Alright, welcome to the WWE Podcast. It is the week in review on this Sunday, December 5th, 2021. Thanks to everybody listening right now with lots of choices out there in the wrestling podcast world. I'm very excited that you decided to choose us to listen to wherever you may be in this world, on this earth. Thank you so much for joining us, and we've got a lot to talk about tonight with this week in review. Flying solo tonight. Uh, that happens from time to time. My schedule tonight was just uh, too much for somebody to be able to come on and for me to commit. So uh, that will be changing, of course, next week with another co-host. But uh, this is going to be the week in review. We're going to get to... All of the events this week. I'll start out with Brock Lesnar in just a minute because I can't wait for later in the show. I'm not even going to give you a hook to try to keep you on the show for longer. I'm just going to get to it in a minute. So that'll be topic number one. Uh, but two things. Number one, a shout out to our latest patron of the show. And our newest patron is Jeremy Snyder. Jeremy Snyder. Thank you so much for your support over there on Patreon. You can join Jeremy and everybody else on the Discord server with the shout-out you just heard, <clears throat> everything ad-free for just a dollar, and the benefits only go up from there. The next tier you can get on the show for an, an entire episode. You'll be a co-host, and then uh, things escalate from there, including merchandise like mugs and T-shirts. That's a thing, uh, so consider that. But also, the second thing I wanted to uh, let you guys know about, on Apple Podcasts, I have now decided to give you guys a a Christmas special, so to speak, and have my own little Black Friday sale, albeit about a week and a half late, and uh, drop the price of our monthly uh, our, our monthly subscription for ad free to just ninety nine cents, just ninety nine cents for ad free over there at the Apple Podcasts link. So uh, if you go to my page on Apple Podcasts, or if you're already subscribed, there should be an ad-free button right there. And for 99 cents, you go ad-free. Uh, that is less than half of the price that it used to be. So take advantage while it's there and go ad-free. You also get seven free days to check us out and see if it's for you. But the benefit of that is also, hey, uh, you don't have to go anywhere, right? You don't have to download an extra app. Everybody has the Apple Podcast app pre-downloaded on their iPhone. So I'd really highly recommend that you uh, that you go ad-free with us on Apple Podcasts, the number one podcast platform in the world. All right. Well, let's get to the weekend review. Let's talk. Let's talk Brock Lesnar. I'm not going to wait. So Michael Renner did a great job covering SmackDown, as he always does, and did an excellent job analyzing the show, including the Brock Lesnar segment. So go check that out if you haven't already. But here's my take on the Brock Lesnar return. It was one of the weirdest returns that he's ever had. I mean, Brock Lesnar's had many returns to WWE, whether it was from injury or just taking time off. Or his contract only required him to show up like every three months. Whatever it may be, this was the weirdest return for a couple of reasons. Number one, his attire and hair, I still don't get I still can't get used to it. I, I know that many of you out there find it cool. It's the new Brock. Brock does what he wants. And I agree that Brock does what he wants. 
but it I I don't know. I, I still feel kind of like I, I still it still doesn't work for me, especially the hair. Um, he needs to just just buzz that top off. Many of you don't agree. It, it just to me, it's he's way past the age in which that should work. Um, and, you know, it's just just not my thing. Um, but beyond that, beyond the the weird attire that I still don't like and I still would have him prefer I'd prefer him just in jeans and like a uh, even a jeans and a cutoff shirt or something like that. But the, like the plaid and the, the cowboy boots and the, the buckle and again, the hair, all that stuff that just looked like he rolled off of his farm in Saskatchewan. All of that is just I don't know. Like anyway, so that's, that's just a small part of it. But really, the, the weirdest part for me for Brock was his babyface character. Now, given Brock Lesnar spoke more on this past Friday night SmackDown than he has in like, you know, a year and a half combined on the microphone or maybe since his return to WWE after coming back from UFC in 20, what was it, 2012? To me, I mean, this may have been the most he's spoken since combined. So, I, you know, I'm fine with him being on the microphone even if his voice doesn't really match his body. <laughs> Maybe that's why also they kind of kept him off for a while. And the fact that he's not an excellent promo, he's just kind of like a, he's a, he's an imposing figure with a lot of star power that can cut decent, short, decent promos. Uh, you know, less is more, but he, I don't know. His voice also doesn't really match. Like he feels like he sh- his voice should be way deeper and have more bass to it. Instead, he kind of has a high pitched voice. And again, I know I'm nitpicking at really small things. Okay, and I'm not I'm not poking fun at Brock Lesnar. To me, this is just the tip of the iceberg to what I'm going to tell you about the totality of why I, I was kind of weirded out and felt awkward with Brock Lesnar uh, on Friday night and SmackDown. Now, getting to more of a, a substantive issue that I had with Brock Lesnar on Friday, he announces that he's going to come for Roman Reigns. Right? He says he, he wants the Universal Championship. Sami Zayn comes out and obviously has some issue with this, given that he won the Battle Royal the week before to earn the number one contenders, uh, contendership for the Universal Championship. From there, this is where it turned weird for me. Brock, while he was attempting to show a sense of humor, it, to me, even the live crowd didn't respond super weird, well to this. They didn't boo it, and it shouldn't have been booed. It wasn't cringeworthy. It was just uncomfortable for the, for me to see Brock like this where he was uh, kind of joking around with Sammy. And we all knew he was being sarcastic, and eventually the inevitable was coming for Sammy, which was an F5, a couple of suplexes, and that's what we got. We'll get to that later in, uh, uh, later on in this analysis. But he was joking around with Sammy, bullying Sammy Zayn into giving up his championship match that night, like that very night, Friday night. He bullied Sammy Zayn uh, into doing this, and that that was number one because... As a babyface, you shouldn't normally bully anybody around, especially somebody that is a fraction of your strength, a fraction of your size, and it looks like the bully on the the, the playground, right? It just it, it didn't sit well with me, given that Sami Zayn doesn't have a whole lot of heat to me. He's not a guy that you want to see somebody beat him up. He, you know, to me, Sami Sami's kind of a lovable loser. And I think that having Sammy get bullied by Brock Lesnar actually put some sympathy on Sammy to me. And then having Brock follow him backstage after he was trying to work with uh, Adam Pierce or rather Sonya Deville about maybe not doing it and waiting till day one. 
But then Brock shows up stalking him to make sure that he wasn't trying to, in fact, get out of this matchup. So, I, you know, it was weird. And that, that was number one that was weird. Okay. And then it, it continues to get weirder because as Sami Zayn gets into the match finally at the end of the night, we have Brock Lesnar come out and he ends up F5-ing Sami Zayn a couple of times, which is, I mean, an F5 is always, it's fine. You know, you knew that was coming anyway. I have no problem with that. You know, some suplexes. And um, then we have Sami Zayn still deciding to compete. And now again, how the referee decided that Sami Zayn was able to compete and if Sami Zayn actually gave consent that he was able to compete for this match because the match hadn't even started yet. And Sami Zayn was already, you know, laid out with a couple of F5s and a bunch of German suplexes. So how did Sami Zayn exactly give consent? Was there a moment of consent or just because he was standing up unconscious? The referee was like, well, he's standing. Even if the ring ropes are what's standing, you know, keeping him up and his eyes are closed and, you know, he's foaming at the mouth. I ring the bell. That that was weird to me. Okay, that 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 little uh, hiccup there. Typically, the referee asks, are you ready? Are you ready? And then they say, ring the bell, right? Well, I don't think Sami Zayn in his unconscious state was able to do that. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit of a nitpick there. But the match still takes place. The match still takes place. And then we have, after Brock did his damage, Brock leaves. Brock leaves. And then immediately following, Roman Reigns comes out. Well, wait a minute. Uh, I thought Brock, if and I'm old enough to remember, Brock Lesnar was screwed out of the championship at SummerSlam by Roman Reigns, thereby infuriating Brock Lesnar, causing him to destroy everything in sight on SmackDown, including Adam Pearce. And boy, is it a shame he didn't show up on SmackDown. I wanted to see him get beat up again. I hope it happens again. It's such a joy. But and you, some of you may say, well, isn't that bullying? Adam Pearce is uh, half his size. The difference is Adam Pearce has real heat. Sami Zayn doesn't have real heat. Sami Zayn is a lovable loser. Adam Pierce is a guy you want to see get his ass kicked. He just has that innate quality about him. There's the difference. That's the distinction. But Brock Lesnar leaves, right? Brock Lesnar up and leaves. Immediately following, Roman Reigns comes out. And as I was just saying, Roman Reigns screwed Brock out of the championship. And suddenly he doesn't care that Roman Reigns is in the building. Did they not pass each other backstage? It was moments after. Why are we not seeing Roman, or at least Brock, trying to get at Roman and maybe security stopping him or something? It's just forgotten. Are are, are we all supposed to just throw our hands up and say, yeah, well, yeah, I guess uh, he'll just wait till day one. That's not Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is an uncaged, untamed animal. That's what I wanted to see. And he leaves before Roman gets to the arena or gets to the ring. I didn't understand that. That made no sense to me. And it made Brock Lesnar look a little uh, a little foolish, I guess, right? And a little bit of kind of discredited because the guy that you want so badly to beat down after screwing you out of the championship, literally you just passed, likely in gorilla position. So did I miss something? Are you that patient of a man that you, you, you just, you're like, well, no, I want to do it on the biggest, bigger stage at day one. I'm at a loss for words on that one. That really made no sense to me. I was hoping Brock would stick around at ringside, and he didn't. And then, uh, obviously, Sami Zayn gets hit with a you know, a, a spear. Good night, the lights. Roman retains. 
and Sami Zayn is then now put back onto the useless pile of heels that cannot get heat because the WWE refuses to last more than two weeks to build any heat on them before blowing it off. And Sami Zayn, unfortunately, is a joke of a heel. And it's a shame because I know Sami Zayn could be a much bigger threat and an actual heel. They put him on the microphone because they trust him. And I trust Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's great on the microphone. Sami Zayn is, I, I love hearing him talk. He's annoying. He's well-spoken. He's all in. He's usually got something of substance to say. And, you know, they they continually make them make him just this easily beatable heel. And yes, it's Brock. I understand that. But I don't know. And then let's add, let's add another layer to this. We have Brock essentially help Roman Reigns. Without Roman, I mean, even having to lift a finger other than a spear, we have Roman Reigns just easily retain the championship. Again, somebody out there is going to say, well, you know, uh, this wasn't to help Roman. We all knew that Roman was going to beat Sammy. This was just to make sure, to ensure that Roman is the man that he faces for the Universal Championship. He wants to get his hands on Roman. Again, if you want to get your hands on Roman so bad, you know, hey, just look over your shoulder. He, he's, he, you just passed him in gorilla position. Uh, that, again, that, it just made no sense. So we have Sami Zayn lose the match. We have Roman Reigns retain. We have Brock inadvertently, but I don't know how you don't realize you're helping the man that you were, you were, were told that you want to rip the head off of retain the championship and... Now we're going to see the, the match that we kind of all knew was coming at day one, which is Roman versus Brock. Now, this match is extremely interesting. I'm not looking ahead too far into day one. We've still got, what, three, three, four weeks? Four weeks from tonight is day one. So four weeks from tonight, we've still got a lot of time between now and then, a lot of TV, a lot of holiday uh, kind of useless shows that WWE puts on during uh, the Christmas week. But... You wonder if this is the conclusion or if this is actually going to lead to a Rumble match where the finale happens or all the way to WrestleMania. You wonder. The more I look at it, this this can't last all the way to WrestleMania. It just can't. I think we have Roman Reigns again. This is an early prediction. Beat Brock Lesnar. We have Roman Reigns beat Brock Lesnar because Brock is not the future. It should be somebody for the future that beats Roman. And then that sets up potentially... Uh, a Drew versus Roman main event at WrestleMania this year if The Rock's not available. So that's how it goes. Who Brock faces? I think Brock faces Bobby Lashley. That's what I think. And Brock goes to Raw after losing um, and just kind of floats and does what he wants. So that's my kind of quick early look at the path for Roman and Brock heading into WrestleMania. I really don't believe it'll be Brock and Roman again at WrestleMania 38 this year. I just... Doesn't uh, doesn't feel like they could stretch it another four months. Guys, that's four months. There's just no way. There's just no way. And I, I don't want to see them stretch it four months. Do you? I mean, th they're good together, but I don't want to see it. And again, kind of putting a bow on this thing because I promise I'll talk about something else and get to another topic. But I really wanted to get to this up front because I had a lot of just strange feelings with uh, Roman Reigns or, yeah, and, and Brock Lesnar and his character this past week. I know they tried to, I, maybe the goal was to make him more human, like humanize the guy that is otherwise just a mindless, uh, just destruction machine. 
if that's the case to try to humanize him, for me anyway, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't uh, resonate well with me. Again, I'm not crapping on the segment. It just wasn't my cup of tea. You know, I don't want to come off that I'm just ranting. Oh my goodness. This was the worst. No, it wasn't channel changing at all. It wasn't anything like that. You know, you guys know when I feel that way, that's not how I felt. I just personally, and maybe you felt the same way. Maybe you felt the same way about Brock and people might say, oh, they're just trying to show a different side of him. You know, he's a baby face. You don't need a baby face to do what Brock did. Brock can be a baby face by just being Brock Lesnar. He doesn't have to really necessarily change into this where he's smiling and joking and bullying people. And, I mean, just, and it also, again, made him kind of look stupid for helping Roman Reigns retain the championship. Not that Sammy had a great chance anyway, but any chance that Sammy did have, Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar completely eliminated that after what he did to, to Sammy. So um, that's what I wanted to say about Brock. Um, you know, obviously the, the plans had changed. I went over this on my news brief. If you listen to my news brief, um, the, the plans originally for Brock were to have him purchase a ticket to the Los Angeles SmackDown coming up this Friday night in which he would appear. And then there'd be a long storyline leading to Roman Reigns's or rather Brock Lesnar's reinstatement. So obviously they didn't go that road and they went with the, 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 the road they did. The last thing I'll say in this. Are they ever going to explain why Roman or Brock? I keep saying Roman Reigns. Why Brock Lesnar was reinstated? Should we take bets? Should we? Should we guys? Should we just like take some kind of uh, take us take survey? You know, maybe I'll put that up. You know, I like that. I'm writing this down now. For those of you on Patreon, I'm going to put a poll up, and I'm going to say, uh, Do you think they'll ever they'll ever uh, justify or explain? why Brock Lesnar's suspension was lifted. So I'll put that up on Patreon. So these polls are, again, exclusive to patrons. Um, so I'll put that up there. I'm writing my note, myself a note right now. So I, I'm going to venture no. Just as they don't explain a lot of things that happen, <laughs> um, I, I don't believe they will. Like uh, the Hurt Business, why were they back together and then not, a, not you know, not together? They're, they're there. They're not. You know, Bobby Lashley beats them up. They're okay with it. They get back together. There's no explanation. You know, again, this isn't uh, the Hurt Business. This isn't Shelton and Cedric we're talking about. This is a much bigger star in which you think they would have thought something like this through. Or maybe, maybe, perhaps they addressed it like the fans are thinking it. Like, how did his suspension get lifted? Brock was about to explain it. So at least they acknowledge the problem. Therefore, in our, in our minds, when we look back, we're like, well, yeah, they, they talked about it. I couldn't remember the reason, but I don't care. Brock's back. Like, so they went halfway. And, and I, I don't believe that they'll explain it. I think it'll just be that, oh, well, Brock's back and just accept it. We didn't come up with anything good. And so he just accepted he's back. I, I'd give it a 50-50 because that's a pretty big deal that they wouldn't explain why Brock isn't back. But I don't have a whole lot of faith. I don't have a whole lot of faith. And some of you don't care. Some of you don't give a damn about the story. I do. That's why we're here. I don't want random violence. I don't want randomness happening. I want congruity. I want explanations. I want to be told a story, as they say all the time. So perhaps this isn't important to you. I've spent about you know 19 minutes here talking about this. Um, but let me know what you guys think. Do you think that they will explain it? I, I have my doubts. Those of you who are on Patreon, I'll put up a poll. Um, and by the way, follow me on, on, on TikTok. I'm putting up videos kind of regularly now, almost every day on TikTok at the WWE podcast. So I'll, I'll also be going live on TikTok during pay-per-views. So that'll be fun. 
just uh, considering that on TikTok. That'll be available to everybody. So um, at the WWE podcast, I may go live here and there too. I haven't gone live yet on TikTok, but I think I will be doing that um, in the near future. That way I can talk with you guys live. All right, moving on after 20 minutes of a ramble about Brock Lesnar, but it needed to be said. That's why I could not wait. So, okay, let's talk a little bit more about SmackDown and let's switch things over to the women's division. So Sasha Banks took on Shayna Baszler this week and we got we get our traditional roll up and don't worry there was more than one roll up during the show as per quota but this was a really good match do you expect you expect anything else between Sasha Banks and Shayna and this is probably Shayna's biggest match in like 2 years I feel like <laughs> um interesting too how we had Corey not Corey Graves Pat McAfee Talk about an arm-breaking future endeavor or something along those lines. Um, we'll, we'll get to that maybe a little bit later on if I remember. But that was just something that, I mean, like I say, Pat McAfee has been saying some things that are borderline. You wonder if it's approved or he just says these things and then Vince scalds him afterwards. Like last week, him saying that he thought the, chant, the, the crowd was chanting, let's go, Brandon, when they clearly wouldn't. He was just trying to be culturally relevant. I, I think that's what it was. Uh, or trying to be funny that that's he knows what's he knows what's hip he knows what's trending he knows what the the, the kids are talking about so let me bring that on the show I, I guess that's his thing but also trying to be clever about talking about the the future endeavored ladies of of nine jacks and uh and eva marie so i don't know i i, I kind of feel neutral about it i i don't I'm not personally offended by any of those things that he says. I don't really care, but I know a lot of people don't feel like he should bring any of that kind of stuff into pro wrestling. And yes, the let's go Brandon thing is political. Um, you know, certainly I would keep politics and religion out of anything when it comes to pro wrestling. It just doesn't have a place for it, but the future endeavored thing. I mean, I feel neutral about it. You know, it's interesting that they even acknowledge those that have been let go. Usually they just fade into thin air and it's as if they never existed. But to even bring them back up, even in a vague term, not naming them by name, saying Nia Jax, they just said, you know, future endeavored arm break or whatever uh, he phrased it as. But let's get back to this match. Sasha Banks and Shayna Baszler. Um, Banks had or Baszler had Banks locked in the care of Fuda Clutch. Banks was able to escape and counter into the bank statement. And then she scored the quick roll up on Shayna Baszler for the victory. Um, you know, again, the one thing I'll say about this match beyond the, just these two have, of course, good chemistry as you'd expect. It wasn't blow away. It was, it was a fine match, but they actually decided to have a, a some kind of promo video for Shayna Baszler in this match or before the match, which was very interesting. I can't remember the last time they made, any reference to Shayna Baszler in terms of like, you know, or when it comes to promos, creating a whole video package for her. I don't even know the last time they've done that. So I was thinking, oh, cool. They're, you know, they're, they're building up Shayna for another big run and they still could be. But this this roll up victory would say otherwise. Um, Sasha Banks continues to slowly evolve into uh, a baby face. And again, I know that some of you feel that she, Sasha, that is is a baby face because she's being nicer, right? Or, uh, you know, at least trying to advocate for Naomi. She did last week. Uh, and, and, you know, she's, she, she's not being the, the, the cheat to win kind of personality. And I think the biggest thing that's helped her though, I got to say, she hasn't spoken really her voice and her laugh are extremely annoying. 
I have to say. Her regular speaking voice, even to me, is, is kind of nails on a chalkboard. Her laugh is channel changing to me, as I've said this many times before. It's not it's not heel heat, but at least they've recognized that her laugh needs to just kind of be tucked away and 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 you know stowed un, under the under the under your seat. I'm thinking of being on an airplane. <laughs> that's the analogy that I was drawing here, but like I really think that that's a smart move. The less Sasha Banks says and the less she laughs, I think the more the crowd would be willing to accept her and trust her as a babyface. But to me, I don't know, as a fan, how can I trust Sasha Banks? She has shown me over the years, many, many, many times, that she will not and can be not cannot be trusted. That she will stab people in the back. Why do you think her finish is called the backstabber? Um, I, I just don't buy her as a babyface. I can't get invested in her as a babyface. Okay, she's extremely attractive. Don't care. Okay, if some of you take that as an asset, and some of you use that as a reason to to cheer for her, then you know, God bless you. To me, that's a superficial, very a fleeting, very fleeting reason to cheer for somebody. To me, it's about character. It should be about substance. It should be about mission statements. It should be about why are you doing what you're doing and why and how did you see the light? You know, how did how did Sasha Banks decide to just suddenly be this this uh, you know kind of wonderful woman all of a sudden? You know, what's her what changed? She doesn't give us any of that. We're just supposed to feel sympathy for her from getting beat up from Shotzi, advocating for Naomi the, the last week not cheating to win, not laughing. Again, it's all just kind of, it's all like side stuff. It's all these like little side things that she's done, but nothing like, nothing solid, right? She hasn't done something that you can like, you can put your foot on, put your finger on and say, that's why she's a baby face. It's all kind of like these little bits and pieces of things you could kind of patch together for why we should cheer for her. But to me, uh, something you could put your finger on and say, yeah, she's a baby face would be. One example is she comes out and saves somebody from an injustice, right? Like somebody maybe is about to screw the other person out of a championship. She comes out and makes the save for the baby face. That's something you could say, okay, that's, that's something you could point at. Another, maybe a mission statement, a, a kind of a confessional to the crowd. Uh, saying, you know, she, you know, she hasn't been the nicest person over the last several months or years and, you know, that she had some kind of epiphany. I don't know. But a promo speaking to the crowd, speaking to us, the fans. But there hasn't been anything. Yet the crowd continues to softly, warmly cheer for her. They're not against her generally, but I don't know. To me, those are things, solid pillars you could put on her babyface run. And everybody's giving me, well, she's done this and there's sympathy and, oh, she's nicer. And yeah, but but again, <laughs> what's the reason behind it? You're, you're giving me kind of symptoms, but you're not giving me the actual sickness. And, and I guess, again, I'm, I come up with weird analogies, guys. That's the best thing I could come up with, if that makes sense, right? Like you're treating the symptoms, but you're not treating the actual illness itself. And I need the actual illness to be identified. It's not the best analogy, but bear with me if you're following me. So anyway, I went too deep into the Sasha Banks babyface turn. Um, I, I don't hate it. It's just a little bit flimsy. It's 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 and flimsy logic is all I have on that. But uh, on this on the flip side with Shayna Baszler, uh, you know, I've been advocating for many years. <laughs> it feels like almost years now 
many months, I'll say that's probably more accurate, as many of you have, that Shayna Baszler should be out of a tag team. She should be on her own. She should be breaking arms, causing carnage. And we finally get her out of the Nia Jax tag team. Nia Jax's future endeavored. She snaps Nia's arm. She snaps Eva Marie's arm. And boom, 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 boom. Loss, 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 loss. And you're thinking, okay, she was clearly used. Just a future endeavor, those two individuals. And now she's back to, again, losing roll-ups. I mean, roll, a roll-up is just her, you know, it's her kryptonite. Um, I, I just, I don't know. You don't ever really hear from Shayna Baszler either on the mic, if you notice that too. I think that's hurting her. But you could have a real nice heel, a really nice solidified heel on SmackDown. Beyond Charlotte Flair, we'll get to her too. But beyond Charlotte Flair, you need that number two. You need that number two heel, and I think Shayna Baszler could easily fill that. Right now, um, they're, they're just kind of, they're, they're start and stop, start and stop. Okay. Let's move on, though. What's what I want to get to next? Uh, let's continue with the women's division, shall we? A couple things. We'll talk about Sonya Deville and Naomi, then we'll get to Charlotte Flair and Tony Storm. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so we'll go from the good to the bad. Let's talk about something good. Naomi and Sonya Deville. I'm really glad that they decided to not just kind of fold this up and decide we're not going this road and pretend it didn't happen. I was concerned that they were going to do that because last week, Naomi was clapping for a victory uh, that Naomi was a part of in a tag team match. And I'm thinking, okay, they're just going to kind of bury this or is this just sarcasm on the part of uh, Sonya? And it turns out that it's it was sarcasm. It turns out that it was just kind of a facade, a lie for Naomi to buy. And Naomi comes in and uh, confronts Sonya Deville and basically says, I want my match, just you, nobody else, no more games. And Sonya Deville says, I'll give you it. I'll give you that match. And she's going to give it to her next week. I thought it was going to be a day one. I would prefer it a day one, but I guess the, there's no sanctity in pay-per-views anymore where only big matches and, and title matches happen on pay-per-views. That went out the window a while ago, which is unfortunate. But Naomi was granted that, but Sonya said that as long as I have this suit on, I'm your boss. I'm a WWE official, and you cannot lay a single hand on me, or I will take everything you have, essentially. Uh, and so then Sonya ends up slapping Naomi. Now, the one thing I'll say about this, while I, I like the heat and how you can't touch me, there's always that unwritten rule that if you are provoked first physically, why can't you retaliate? And why should an official be able to lend or lay a hand on a WWE star with any, no provocation physically? You know, why is Naomi not complaining to the board of directors? Why did Naomi not complain to the board of directors when she was abusing her power clearly for many, many weeks? Now, again, that's a side note. It's something that just kind of slightly, mildly annoys me. But the overall premise and overarching uh, good of this program, I think is shadowing out the illegitimacy of this, uh, of this program, because I want to see these two fight. I want to see Naomi put a beating on Sonya Deville. I really want that. And I, that's a credit to how this storyline has played out, played out overall. Again, not perfect. A lot of kind of big holes there, but overall, I mean, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, and having Naomi not able to retaliate against Naomi or, or, or against Sonya is a nice touch. 
um, again, <laughs> the, the logic of this is just doesn't make sense because you have an official management essentially putting their hands on talent and the talent can't retaliate. I mean, it just, yeah, that, that's a little weird. Um, but it adds to the, the feeling of wanting to see Sonya finally get what's coming to her next week. I don't think it'll happen, but it'll be nice to see Sonya back in the ring and uh, see Naomi hopefully get some measure of retribution, um, even if it is uh, temporary until Sonya probably screws her out of the match of some sort, some way. Uh, but it was good stuff in general, and I'm glad that they're going to pay this off. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. Good stuff. I, maybe they're getting to this instead of doing it at day one because they have something else planned for Naomi at day one in some form or fashion. I don't know. Um, you know, but anyway, let's continue on to the next piece here with Tony Storm and Charlotte Flair. So uh, here's what CBS Sports wrote about this segment. They said earlier in the show, Storm made it clear she wants a shot at her Smack Flair's SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte then came out to the ring to cut a promo and ultimately refused Tony's uh, challenge. So that's what happened. That's the setup. We had Tony Storm talk about uh, what happened the, the previous week about hit, getting hit in the face with a couple of pies. By the way, I'm pretty sure just whipped cream doesn't translate to a pie. Anybody else notice like whipped cream is uh, all that's apparently in these pies? It's not a pie. It's just, it's a, it's whipped cream. Uh, but anyway, I digress. I guess it, it looks more, it's better for a visual. And so we had, of course, that silliness last week with Tony Storm. To me, that really hurt her character. She even came up with a nickname for herself, which, by the way, you're not able to do. And I don't remember anybody calling her Two Pie Tony. But why would you, number one, it's against like societal rules. You can't come up with a nickname for yourself. Somebody else has to do it for you. And number two, why would you want a name like that to stick with you? It just makes sense. So why propagate your own kind of slandered name? Like, it doesn't make sense. So anyway, Tony Storm, again, on promo, she's, I think, pretty good. Tony Storm feels like she's comfortable on the microphone. And then Charlotte, again, refuses her championship match. But here's again... Here's where things kind of just take an, a really bizarre turn. <sighs> Apparently, guys, we have subscribed to, um, to, to not just to uh, SmackDown. We are now watching Double Dare. I mean, next week, I, I swear we're going to hear this from Mark Summers. On your mark. Get set. So I, I swear, I mean, so by the way, if those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about uh, and, and weren't grew up, didn't grow up in the 90s, Double Dare, it was a staple. If you didn't watch Double Dare, you didn't grow up in the 90s. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. Uh, but I swear, I, I'm pretty sure they, they've hired Mark Summers uh, as on a contracted basis to host next week's interaction between Tony Storm and Charlotte. I'm fairly sure on that. You know, maybe they'll have to get on their backs and, and, and dig through a, a nose full of slime to, to pull a flag out and, you know, maybe throw a couple more pies at each other. <laughs> Again, guys, I'm sorry if you don't understand the reference. Some of you are like, what is this idiot talking about? Double there. Just, just I don't want to say go watch it because it's super cheesy now. I mean, in, in our 
if you're 20s or 30s, if you're in your 30s, you know what I'm talking about. Even in your 40s, you know what I'm talking about. If you're in your 20s, it's kind of iffy. Like if you were born in the 90s, odds are you don't know what Double Dare is, or you've never at least seen an episode of it. So maybe that reference falls on deaf ears. But um, I, I, you know, I, I really would not be surprised if Mark Summers is there next week because we had Tony Storm not attack Charlotte for the embarrassment, but rather come out with a, a, a whipped cream pie because there's no, no other way about it. I mean, it was just, just all whipped cream. Uh, it was just essentially like a tin with just whipped cream, not even crust, just whipped cream. And uh, hit Charlotte in the face. And apparently these pies are just, I mean, they render you useless. They, other than making sure you get the nice shot for the camera so that it fits nicely in a video package that they're going to put together next week of who's pieing who, right? And you get the embarrassment of, oh, my God, they got, they got pied. Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's just the worst thing I've ever seen. You know it's going to be part of a video package next week. So other than Charlotte standing there to make sure that the camera gets a nice angle of her with the pie on her face, uh, does it render you useless? Does it immobilize you? Can you not chase the person? If you're that embarrassed in the moment, you're going to get you're going to get completely frozen in fear or embarrassment at that level as a super athlete with a pie to the face. <laughs> can we can we move on? Did somebody seriously have a like a, a Nickelodeon binge weekend? And decide that it was a great idea for Tony Storm to decide to throw some pies. I mean, is Mark Summers on the creative team? It, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm making a whole bunch of jokes about this, but to me, this was awful. I mean, I I understand that the positive is that you have Tony Storm able to rub elbows, so to speak, with Charlotte, get the rub from Charlotte. Totally agree. Think that's great. Tony Storm in the ring, excellent. She blew my socks off on the uh, women's evolution pay-per-view a number of years ago. Absolutely blew my socks off, and I couldn't wait till she came to the main roster. Now she's here. And while on the microphone she's good, she's being belittled to throwing pies into faces. And so I, I know it's only two weeks. I get that. And she's working with Charlotte, so there is that. There is that, and I'm, I'm not being facetious about that. That is a good thing, that she's working with the woman in WWE. Like Charlotte Flair, whether you love her, hate her, think she has the championship too much or not, she is the woman in WWE. And I am a big, I like Charlotte. I, I think her promos are not heel promos. Why should, when she refuses to give a championship opportunity to someone she doesn't feel is deserving, yeah, that should be the way. And yet Michael Cole justifies it by, well, shouldn't she take on all comers? No, she shouldn't. You know why? Because if you respect the championship, you should, and also, by the way, you don't want to ever relinquish it. You should not give a championship match to just anybody because not everyone deserves it. So if you take on all comers, you're disrespecting the championship that should only be held by those that deserve it, not just those that, well, I challenged him, so you should automatically accept my challenge. Nonsense. I, that's why I never understood the, the babyface logic that Vince holds on to so tightly, so dearly with a death grip. That they make these declarations whenever, uh, especially at WrestleMania, when some babyface climbs the mountain and becomes champion, whether it's the the top belt or the the you know the mid tier belts of U.S. title and IC title, they always have to have this declaration that they are going to take on all comers. They're gonna they're gonna defend this championship every night. Why? What? Why would you do that? You're again, you're putting yourself at risk for losing the championship that we were told for many months you climbed and scratched and clawed and bled and cried 
to capture, and then you're going to defend it against anybody that wants to. And you're disrespecting that belt by proxy because you're defending it against anybody. It, 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 I know that it's the logic, the very kind of elementary logic behind it is, well, it shows they're not a coward. No, it shows they're stupid if they defend it against anybody. It's disrespectful to the championship it's itself if they defend it against anybody. It, to me, it's completely reversed. But yet, uh, it's cowardice. No. It's respect. So I completely agree with Charlotte Flair that she should not have accepted Tony Storm's challenge in, in normal times. But again, the logic is, well, she's trying to avoid Tony. She's afraid of Tony, blah, blah, blah. I know that's what they're trying to tell. This is a story they're trying to tell. But anyway, she gets a pie to the face. Charlotte gets uh, embarrassed to make sure she gets the perfect shot for the camera. And I'm not blaming Charlotte for this. Okay, I'm not blaming even Tony Storm for this. I'm blaming creative. This is all uncreative. You're wasting a talent like Tony Storm, especially in ring, with throwing pies. Can she at least be in like in actual matches every week? There wasn't a whole lot of wrestling on this show, by the way. Uh, but can we at least have Tony Storm in ring, showing the fans what she can do? Those that have not seen her in NXT before, building a base with the main roster. Instead, she's backstage. Creating pies. Maybe they'll do a slime bit next week, right? Maybe they'll do that. God, let's hope not. All right, let's continue on. Los Lotharios defeated the Viking Raiders via pinfall when Humberto Carrillo pinned Humberto Carrillo pinned Eric with a roll-up. There's your second one of the night. Rick Boogs and Shinsuke came to ringside to try and distract Los Lotharios with Boogs playing the guitar, but inadver- inadvertently set up Carrillo to get the pin. Boogs then played the Raiders theme song to ease the tension. Okay. I'm mixed. I'm a mixed bag on this. I'm glad the Viking Raiders are actually getting time on TV, like meaningful time. Los Lotharios also seem to be on a bit of a roll. They're obnoxious in a good way. Applaud to them. They're also very good in the ring. You want to see somebody beat them up because they're just like kind of these slimy, egotistical, pretty boys that you want to see people beat up. So that's good. That's complimentary to those two. Um, but again, guys, I, I really feel like, you know, I know I'm going to get a whole bunch of, you know, just kind of feedback on this. That, uh, stop complaining. Take the product for what it is. Stop breaking it down. I've gotten a lot of those lately. I'll just say this. Number one, it's my show. I do what I want. Number two, this is the point of podcasting. If you want to go listen to WWE Tooth Your Own Horn, you want to hear all positive stuff, go watch WWE documentaries. I mean, that's the stuff you should watch. Don't listen to podcasts that analyze this stuff and give their own opinions. And also third, if you're at the pro- if you're of the belief that we should just enjoy the product and not think about it, then wh- like what wh- what what exactly entertains you from a storyline perspective? Does entertaining you just mean you don't think? Do you, do you not have the analytical skills or desire to figure out what's going on and be rewarded for paying attention to detail? Does that not matter to you? I'm just responding to some of these people. I'm not trying to insult anybody, but people are coming at me lately for just seemingly complaining a lot and. I think everyone's entitled to their opinion, but if you don't like critical thinking when it comes to pro wrestling and you just want to be enjoying it, well, don't listen to podcasts because that's exactly the the content you're going to get. So anyway, the, this segment, again, um, as I talk about critical, critical thinking or at least being critical of the product anyway, again, I just complimented the Viking Raiders and Los Lotharios, at least from getting in ring time. But again, the, the Viking Raiders here... 
while in ring they're good and they're they're one of the few true tag teams in my mind. Why are they suddenly just entertained after losing the match? Suddenly, oh, uh, all is well in the world because Rick Boogs hit a couple of strums on his guitar, and everything just falls into place. No problem. Hey guys, uh, we lost the match, and it you know we know you didn't accidentally uh, you know purposefully cause our our loss, but but you know you did even though if you didn't mean to, but you know we're as as mad as we are. Just hit a couple of strums on your your electric guitar, and we'll start dancing around like fools. This was bad. That that part that part was bad. The whole match wasn't bad. That was bad. All right. Well, let's uh, let's continue on. Let's see if we can find something positive to balance it out here. Jey Uso versus Xavier Woods. So Jey Uso defeats Xavier via disqualification after interference by Kofi Kingston. Woods announced that Kingston was back before the match, and it didn't take long before Kingston could no longer wait to attempt to get revenge on the Usos, taking out Jay before Kingston and Woods also ran off Jimmy Uso. So this, um, I mean, again, Jay Uso and Xavier Woods, you know what kind of match you're going to get. It's always a solid match. Two professionals. And I got to say, Xavier Woods, as much as I can't stand his character, really anything about his personality, he's really good in the ring. That's undeniable. But again, um, these two had a, a decent match, but it ends in disqualification. Obviously, this is going to be extended. And Kofi Kingston is back. I mean, there's really, there really are no three words you could say to me worse than that than Kofi Kingston, or four words. Jeez, look at me being an idiot. <laughs> Kofi Kingston is back. Those are like the four worst the words in the English language to me is Kofi Kingston is back. Or if I want to do three words, it's Kofi Kingston returns either way. It's just like the worst thing you could tell me unless they're going heel on him. Um, I, I don't want to see it. And so this is um, th- this. It was what it was, you know, it's a, it ends in DQ. And I think these two, these two teams are clearly not done with one another. Also, footnote, note, actually not even a footnote, a notable event that happened. A lot of Uso chants. Ooh, so, ooh, so. That was very notable. First time that I've heard Uso chants in a long time since they started aligning themselves with Roman Reigns. Just an interesting little note there. I don't know if it's something that'll continue or just kind of a one-off, but definitely worth talking about there. Drew McIntyre and Jeff Hardy attacked Happy Corbin and Cat, uh, Mad Cat Moss during Happy Talk as Corbin and Moss were hosting it. And really, they were hosting it, but it was just themselves that they were having on the show. It wasn't as if they have a guest or anything like that. But uh, they were t- Corbin and, and Mad Cat Moss were taking shots at Hardy and McIntyre. I'm surprised they didn't go the road of uh, talking about Jeff Hardy's drug past or I think they hinted at it at one point, but they didn't go full bore on it, which is nice. I don't need to be reminded every 10 seconds that he has dr- had drug issues, pill issues, alcohol issues. We've been down that road way too many times. I mean, Seamus, I think completely beat it to death and it happened before that too. Uh, and people continue to talk about it. It's like, it's, can we move on it, it, to me? It, it, you know, and I'm glad they didn't go that road. I'm not saying they did, but it's been be- that's dead and beaten. Can we move move on? And I hope they're not going to go that road. But Jeff Hardy and McIntyre, I think, are going to be a team for a while. Um, McIntyre did make his way to the ring before Hardy hit the uh, the the, twi- the twist of fate on Mad Cat Moss and Hor- Happy Corbin. By the way, 
can can uh, we get Jeff Hardy to stop doing the twist of fate that looks like a stunner? Uh, can, can we please just the twist of fate should look like kind of a a bit of a mix between an RKO and uh, the diamond cutter. I, I just I don't like when it turns into a stunner. You never know how somebody's going to take it. It's always kind of in between. Sometimes they f- they kind of flat bump it. Other times they hits it like a stunner. I don't like how it's done sometimes as a stunner. Kevin Owens has the stunner. Stone Cold had the stunner. Can we, can we just like only allow them to do it? <laughs> uh, Jeff Hardy, though, I mean, this has been kind of his thing. I, I, I don't know. It's nothing I'm ranting about or angry about. But uh, if I had my way on this, I would, of course, tell Hardy, no, you're doing a diamond cutter uh, twist of fate only. But this did lead to, a, uh, of course, a Claymore and then they're standing tall. And then, of course, uh, we had, uh, what was it? Uh, we had McIntyre put on a hat and start dancing around. You know what? Like, you would think that I would be mad at that. I'm not. Because he didn't do it in a way that was embarrassing. And we all know where Drew McIntyre is eventually going to land. And that's in the face of Roman Reigns. They're destined, destined for a 2022 clash. And it's going to be fun. Now, whether that happens again at WrestleMania or it happens beforehand, they are in the next in, in the next few months. We will hear about Corbin or uh, Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. It's guaranteed. So we all know where he's headed. And again, this was this was fine. Yeah, this was fine. And seeing Corbin and Moss get laid out, fun, fine, no problem. And I don't mind Drew McIntyre and Jeff Hardy teaming up. I think they've got a nice little chemistry. Honestly, I have no problem with that. If Drew wants to kind of hang with uh, Jeff for a while, that's fine with me. I think it's uh, again, it works. And it's definitely a nice hold me over until Drew gets to his next relevant program. All right. What else happened? What else happened? What else happened? Did I talk about everything? Oh, Sheamus defeated Cesaro uh, via pinfall with a bro kick. Cesaro is kind of on the same train as Finn Balor. Whoever's conducting that train. Uh, well, first of all, if I'm if you're on that train, just just abandon ship, right? Like tuck and roll off that train. Take the bumps, roll, you know, even if it's into a rocky surface, just get the hell off it. Because... Cesaro and Finn somehow took the same train uh, where they are just, they were once relevant. They were just super relevant just a couple of months ago. And now they're taking loss after loss after loss after loss. Um, And again, I know it's at the expense of Sheamus. I understand that right now. Sheamus is more of the focus than Cesaro. Cesaro has gotten like seriously no mic time at all since the Roman Reigns program. Uh, And Sheamus is the guy that they want uh, to build right now, especially with his protege. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I actually thought at one point they were going to re uh, reunite the bar and that still could happen. That still could happen. Cesaro could go back to the dark side and uh, reunite with Sheamus. But uh, this, this match, it was no problem physically, no problem with the physical part of this match. Just uh Cesaro. If you're a Cesaro fan, man, are, are at this point, are you just numb? Are you, are you just numb at this point with Cesaro? If you're a fan of his, so I don't know. Uh, so anyway, uh, switching over, let's oh, hold on. I'm going to make sure I'm scanning through everything. Uh, switching over to Raw. First of all, before I get to a little bit of Raw, and again, I preface this by saying we don't fully cover Raw like I just covered SmackDown because I already did a full Raw review earlier in the week. So if you want a detailed play-by-play on the show, that is available to you just in a, a few shows before this when I did the Raw review last Tuesday, and it was released last Tuesday night anyway. Um, but uh, this coming Monday night, we have some big matchups. We've got the women's championship match between Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch. We all, we've also got a steel cage match of Big E versus Kevin Owens. 
So you could imagine that Seth Rollins will somehow, some way be involved in that. Even though steel cages are designed to do the exact opposite that we're always told they're supposed to be uh, there for, and that is to keep people out and also keep people in. Well, I can guarantee you that you will not keep people out because there's no roof. And also, you can win a match by getting out of the cage. So, you know, kind of negates the purpose of that. So, um, but nonetheless, it's still a steel cage match. And if you're a wrestling fan, it's a it's a tradition. It's it's a it's always a beloved stipulation. So that'll be interesting. But to put a bow on uh, just some of the big events that happen on Monday night, just in case you forgot, because by the time SmackDown rolls around, I've already forgotten what happens on Raw. So I really do appreciate when they do the Raw recap. I, I really do have to appreciate that like because it's it's really good to go, oh, that's right, that's what happened on Raw because you know four days later, earlier, you don't remember, um, which always makes you wonder, if they are truly rival brands, why are they giving each other uh, time on, on one another's show because they do this for Raw too, right? They're, they're such big rivals, but oh yeah, here's like, you know, a few minutes to talk about what happened on your show. Promote it on mine. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the, the big deal was... Kevin Owens squeezing his way into the championship match at day one. That that was really the the big takeaway. If you're going to talk about just one singular item, Kevin Owens getting into that championship match at day one between Seth and Big E is and was the story on Monday night. Now, of course, we'll get to a couple other things, but Seth Rollins not happy about this. And if I was Seth and the contract says one on one, perhaps Seth has a a bone to pick if he doesn't win the championship at day one, where he says, Kevin Owens wasn't supposed to be even a part of this matchup. My contract says one-on-one. I want a rematch with Big E at the Royal Rumble one-on-one. And perhaps that happens. Maybe Big E retains one more time, and Big E loses it at Royal Rumble. So that's possible, and Seth would have a contractual argument to be made if the contract does indeed say one-on-one. So keep an eye out for that. As much as you and myself, admittedly, have thought for many weeks that Kevin Owens is there to just take the pinfall so that Seth can beat Kevin Owens, become champion, they don't put any egg on the face of Big E, all is right with the world, and they accomplish everything in that triple threat, there's still a possibility Big E continues to have his reign through the Rumble, and that's where Seth ends up uh, beating Big E. So keep that in mind. I would not put it past WWE. Uh, or creative right now. And I, I really don't have a problem with that. As long as Seth becomes champion in sometime in January, sign me up. So that was really the, the big thing. Uh, Seth and uh, Finn Balor also uh, had a matchup in which Finn Balor, again, as I said, is losing at the rate of Cesaro at this point. A great match between Seth and Finn. I shouldn't say great. Really good, but not not world-beating. Kevin Owens, again, defeats Big E via disqualification to get into that championship match even though it was kind of a shady way to do it by attacking Seth, knowing Seth would retaliate. And once Seth retaliated, that would disqualify Big E, which would then insert Kevin Owens into the matchup because he won by DQ. So the other kind of big notes, I guess, that happened on Monday Night Raw, Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch signed a contract. I think I said this on my Monday Night Raw review that the, um, the, the contract signing, I think, went pretty well for Liv Morgan. Even if those were, were prepared lines, she delivered them very well, I have to say. Liv Morgan, when she when she just lets it go and feels, you know, just finds that confidence, she's got it, man. And I, I hope she continues to uh, to find whatever this is. And I will continue to say, this is a litmus test, folks. This is a litmus test. Morgan's not winning Monday night. 
but how do we react? Keep that in mind as we move forward. If the crowd doesn't care and social media doesn't care, they're going to move on from Liv Morgan. If they don't and they blow up, then WWE may have and put a little more stake into the Liv deserves better movement. So it's all going to depend on the crowd here. I really believe that. Uh, let's see what else. Edge returned. To, oh, Edge and uh, Miz had their kind of response to MJF and uh, and CM Punk promo. That's exactly what this was, was a response to that without being a response to it. Uh, they cut a lot of that promo out of the Smack or the Raw recap on SmackDown. They cut a lot of that out because I think a lot of it was kind of uh, a lot of it was ad lib by Edge, and Edge did an excellent job, and so did the Miz. So I'm looking forward to hopefully a little bit more of a verbal ba- verbal battle between these two again on uh, Monday Night Raw. But uh, yeah, you you can just imagine, you know, Edge is clearly watching AEW, and why wouldn't you? To see what you know, former friends and colleagues are doing, and it's a the hot new the hot new brand right now, and uh, him sitting there going, "That was a great promo. I want to do that. I can do better." And Vin, he convinces Vince to do it, or you know, because Vince probably has no idea that that's even happening until he's shown it, um, living in his bubble, and uh, he convinces Vince to do that with the Miz, who's also a great talker, and. I don't think that they beat CM Punk and the uh, MJF. I don't think by a long shot they did. You know, if they think they came backstage and they felt, oh, mission accomplished. We killed it. We knocked it out of the park. Take that, AEW. If that was their reaction, uh, you guys may want to reevaluate. It was a really good promo. Don't get me wrong. And had MJF and Punk not had that, there would, that would be, the bar would be a lot lower to compare it to. But uh, since they want to directly respond to that, no, sorry, MJF and Punk still beat this segment with Edge and The Miz. Um, so no, mission not accomplished, folks. <laughs> okay, I love you, Edge. You're, you're one of my favorites of all time. But if they came backstage, you know, Pat's on the back and attaboy, you killed it. You showed him that's how you cut a real promo. Uh, no, no, uh, MJF would scald you. And look, Edge is one of the best of all time on the microphone as well. MJF would blaze edge MJF would blaze anybody. As I said before, I would love to see MJF and John Cena go face to face. I said this on my, uh, I don't know what show last week I said it, but there are so many hurdles and improbabilities to make that happen. But what a moment that would be. And to see them just unhinge on each other, my God, (laughs) just imagine MJF and John Cena. It's, Oh, I think it's even more desirable than Punk and uh, and uh, MJF. By the way, Punk is getting kind of torched by MJF lately. You know, MJF, and I've been keeping up a little bit, at least with this storyline in AEW. MJF is, to me, the one of the best of all time on the microphone. And I, and I don't just mean in, in AEW. I mean, like, professional wrestling industry-wide ever. MJF is one of the best of all time. I believe that. Now... The reason I believe that Punk is getting scalded in AEW is because once the person that doesn't have anything left to say or a good zinger back breaks down into just let's fight, you lost, right? When Punk went back to, oh, we've wasted these people's time. Why don't you come in the ring? This and that. I love Punk. Uh, Again, one of the greatest of all time as well. But when you're the one that wants to resort to physical violence instead of 
trying to get more out of the promo, you've got nothing left, and the other person should, or you should concede that loss. You have lost the verbal battle. Because when Punk said the first time that they met a week and a half ago that uh, we've wasted these people's time, no, no, you haven't. People are loving this. It's a, in fact, Punk, it's the exact opposite. They haven't, you have not wasted their time. This is what they wanted to see. You know, so, uh, but I know, anyway, uh, I'm, I know I'm getting way off, but the Edge and Miz promo that happened here was where, where Edge was talking about tough enough and potential future opponents. To me, this was a direct response to MJF and Punk, and they did not beat them in terms of, in terms of just complete um, emotional investment, and everything else. But they did a, still an excellent job. That's how great MJF and Punk were. I'll just say that. Um, what else happened? Oh, Damian Priest beat Apollo Cruz for the United States Championship. Still no explanation how uh, we have suddenly this kind of tweaking character from Damian Priest. Another thing that they do and don't explain. Add that to the list. Uh, what else? Uh, I think that pretty much it. Oh, RK bro defeats Ziggler and brood for the raw tag team championship. And by the way, another thing to add to the list, how did they get an opportunity after losing the week before? How did they suddenly jump the line and get an opportunity at the raw tag team championship? I know the real reason. The real reason is, well, it's a championship match. We can add to raw. Let's make it feel like a big show. Well, uh, how about we make wins and losses mean something? And not just give a team a championship match simply for existing in a division that's already paper thin. I mean, that's the real reason. <laughs> so uh, that was really the the big takeaways from Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, as we close in on the next few weeks, we'll be heating up to day one. But we've got a lot of TV to go until day one. Again, including the kind of throwaway, typical Christmas week shows that they give us. And they, you know. Although I will say last year, they gave us a Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns Steel Cage Universal Championship match, if I'm not mistaken, on Friday Night SmackDown. That they never explained how that happened, by the way. But again, it's kind of just the, the do things and don't explain them show a lot of the time. So, all right. Well, I believe that covers everything for your week in review. Again, guys, take advantage of that special on Apple Podcasts. Once you lock in that price of 99 cents a month and seven days free, by the way. It's there forever. We can't change it on you, and I won't change it on you. So take advantage while it's there. Uh, I don't know how long I'll uh, keep that pricing. It's less than half of what the normal pricing was before. So if you want to go ad-free and you want to do it on your Apple Podcast app, now is the time. Don't wait. Take it. Take advantage of this right now for $0.99 cents a month. $0.99 cents a month. I mean, that, that, that's basically free. Uh, and then also, if you want on Patreon, you get on our Discord server. That's also starting at a dollar a month with many more benefits as you go up in tiers. But uh, you can check us out there. It's a great uh, little podcast family we have over there at Patreon. Uh, the Discord server is so much fun. I know I don't participate a whole lot in the Discord server throughout the week. I do keep tabs on what you guys are doing in there. And and, and just I'm not, not that I would moderate like your mom or dad. I don't care. But uh, just to see what you guys are talking about, AEW or the latest news, whatever it may be. So it's really cool. Uh, I'd really recommend you go to Patreon if you want that access as well. But uh, that is it for us tonight. Patrons, as I mentioned, I will be putting up a poll asking you guys, do you think they'll explain why Brock Lesnar's suspension was lifted? Do you think they'll even go that far? So, all right, everybody, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow night with Anthony DeMarco with a brand new What If Tuesday's your raw review, Wednesday's the mailbag, and so on. So thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, 
Take care, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time. 